Hello everyone, you're tuned into The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm your host, Alexandra Fernandez. As you may be aware from the media, on April 11th in Minneapolis, a 20-year-old Black man, Dante Wright, was shot by now-resigned police officer Kim Potter, a 48-year-old white woman. With me today, I have Dr. Kristen Mariah, Assistant Professor at Queen's University in the Department of English and Literature, to speak with us more about this very pressing issue. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Mariah. Uh, You're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So can you just break it down for us? What exactly happened on April 12th in Minneapolis regarding the story? So um, on April 11th, Officer Kim Potter, a 26-year veteran of the police force um, took part in a traffic stop, um, which police say started because um, 20-year-old Dante Wright's car had an expired license plate. Um, there was a brief sort of scuffle between Wright and the two officers um, who stopped his car. Um, Potter took out her handgun and shot a taser three times before firing a bullet, which killed Wright. Um, Potter claims that she um, mistook her bright yellow taser and this murder comes during the highly publicized trial for Derek Chauvin, the former police officer accused of murdering George Floyd in Minnesota last summer. Mm-hmm. And um, Kim Potter, the officer who was responsible for the death, was charged with um, a second degree manslaughter charge in which he can face up to 10 years imprisonment and a $20,000 fine. And there's a lot of talk as to why she was not charged with murder instead. And would you mind elaborating a little bit on that, please, and just kind of clarifying that for us? Sure. I mean, first, you know, it's essentially impossible to convict American police officers for murder. Um, Police unions and other institutional structures mean that very few police officers are actually ever arrested and charged with either murder or manslaughter, despite often damning evidence like the body cam footage in um, Dante Wright's case. Um, The manslaughter charge might have been pursued because winning murder convictions in these cases is almost unheard of. Mm -hmm. Um, Research shows that police in the United States, roughly um, 1,100 um, people a year, um, and only a tiny number of those cases actually result in criminal prosecution for the officers involved. Um, between 2005 and 2019, according to research at Bowling Green State University in Ohio, 104 police officers were arrested for murder or manslaughter. Um, and of those 104 officers, only 35 have been convicted of a crime. Wow really goes um, to show a lot and say a lot about the justice system for sure. Yeah. Um, And um, like you said, police reports are saying that um, Potter pulled right over over um, expired plates, um, mistook her gun for her taser, which has also sparked a lot of conversation about police training as well. Um, And a lot of people are questioning, you know, how can someone mistake a bright yellow taser for a handgun? Um, So my question is is kind of like what threat did Dante Wright pose if he even did that she kind of like required the taser in the first place? Um, sure. I mean, you know, police practices, as we know, often involve things like racial, racial profiling and use of force. So, you know, in its crudest sense, Potter was actually following her training. Um, mm-hmm. Having license plate is not a criminal offense. Um, it's a minor infraction. And during this COVID-19 pandemic that we are all living through, um, you know, many people would argue that it's not one that should even result in police intervention. 
Um, Dante Wright posed no threat to anyone. And that's part of the great tragedy of this case um, and many others like it, many, mm -hmm. many others like it. Definitely. What are sort of your thoughts on the fact that now post bail, Potter's home is barricaded and she has this, um, you know, like next level protection around her from fear of what others may attempt to do? Yeah, you know, everyone has the right to safety and a fair trial. And Potter is being granted that kind of grace um, mm -hmm. that she denied to right, and that's so often denied to Black people who are victims of police violence and these extrajudicial killings that we see so often. Mm -hmm, definitely. And what can we expect from the case moving forward when she makes her second court appearance in May? Like, what sort of happened at her um, trial or court appearance um, last week and what are kind of like, I guess, the next steps or like what can we expect moving forward? Sure, I mean, obviously the, um, the trial and her court appearances are these um, huge magnets for media and public attention. Um, and as I mentioned before, they're happening at the same time that we're awaiting the Derek Chauvin trial verdict. Um, you know, we can expect this sort of continued kind of public media attention um, and public outrage to follow Potter in this case. Um, new revelations are being made every day, right, about the um, strange and unlikely connections between people like Dante Wright and George Floyd, right? And recently we learned that George Floyd's girlfriend um, actually taught Dante Wright. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, following the trial, I think that it's unlikely that there'll be a resolution um, that satisfies the need for justice in this case. Um, at the same time, it's important that the process moves forward and the attempt at reaching a just resolution is made. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, you know, I was reading an article in which um, Dante Wright's mother was saying, you know, justice can never be given to us because we've lost our son and things like that. Do you think that that's kind of true, like, can, I guess my question is, do you resonate with what she's saying in regards to that, that justice can never be given because um, they lost their son and there's nothing that can really be done um, to bring him back and stuff? If we think about what's going to happen in this individual case, I would say absolutely yes. Um, and your heart always goes out to the parents of children um, who have been um, sort of killed in this way. Um, but one of the things that might happen um, with the sort of continued attention and public pressure um, surrounding these cases is that we move towards a larger understanding of the danger of police violence, the very real cost of police violence, and the real need to um, rethink the use of police force, and in fact, to defund the police in many cases. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add or speak to before we end off? Yeah, I mean, I'm also, you know, struck by um, the way that um, these cases in the States um, tend to catch Canadian attention. And I just like to, I think, you know, double down on the idea that Black Lives Matter in Canada too. Um, and as we watch this trial and sort of question whether it's a case of something like poor training, um, it's really time for us to ask whether um, now is the time for us to defund the police in Canada. Um, you know, we've reached uh, a point in which we've had repeated calls for police reforms um, that have still resulted um, in cases like Ejaz Chowdhury and Regis Kortinsky-Paquette. Mm -hmm. 
you know, policing as an approach to public safety is sort of increasingly being understood as this kind of dead end proposition. Um, you can't give somebody and ask to try to nail everything down. Right. Um, and so I think this is a movement um, at a time that can allow Canadians to really um, rethink our own relationship to um, policing in Canada. Mm -hmm, definitely. And even with the, you know, the Ford announcement that came out on Friday, there was a lot of um, concern about, you know, giving the police extra power, essentially, and how this kind of new rule is um, really going to target um, marginalized people in our communities. Um, and that's why a lot of like different municipality police state um, police stations have been, you know, putting out notices being like, we won't be doing this, you'll be stopping people and whatnot. But yeah. It's a terrifying moment. I hope that those um, sort of, you know, gestures towards um, public reconciliation by individual police forces are also followed up on um, in our legislative bodies. And in fact, the, that full um, power is actually revoked, right? Um, there is no way in which allowing police to um, enforce public health um, rules can do anything, right? Um, communities of that are, you know, mainly populated by people of color. We know this to be true. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss this. This is a really um, informative conversation and I hope that it, um, you know, also inspires other people to talk and to um, really continue educating themselves um, on what's going on. Thanks, Alex. These are great questions and yeah, I really appreciate this time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.